Caught Offside with Andrew Gunling and J.J. Devaney. Oh, yes. Caught Offside. Suburbs of New York City in an apartment in Brooklyn, New York. Andrew Gunling, J.J. Devaney. A not-so-happy emergency podcast. Caught Offside. What is up, brother? It's interesting, Andrew. You didn't need to add any of that. People could just know by the tone of the oh yes, you know, it's mm. it's like um, it's like when there's a sad moment on a U.S. sitcom and the instead of the usual jumpy uh, move from scene to scene, and, and and that's what you are. Your your voice is a bellwether for for a pretty poor day for the U.S. men's national team. Oof. JJ, you know how we talk sometimes about um, U.S. soccer Twitter and how there's all of these accounts that are kind of similar, but small differences, USMNT only, USMNT thoughts, so on and so forth. Um, you know, I follow many of them. And one of them had a point that kind of encapsulates how I feel right now. Uh, USMNT thoughts several hours ago tweeted, today is the moment I stopped caring about the two trophies this summer. Ah. And I think that they're, I'll always appreciate those memories. They will, you know, years from now, we'll remember those games and how fun they were. Um, But I don't think, I think it would be irresponsible to continue leaning on those successes in the context of World Cup qualifying. They're unrelated. They don't matter today. That's it. They don't matter anymore. Like I said, one day they'll matter again. But right now, as we're going through this, and kind of suffering through this roller coaster ride, you know, because I've sat here and I've talked about Bear Halter. And I, to a certain extent, some people will say I've been an apologist for him. Some people uh, will say I'll lots be fair. of people say that. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, but for me, I've always felt that in sports, you kind of have to look at successes and, and like you can't only talk about failures. There's another side to the coin. And so I have talked about. The fact that beating Mexico in two trophies and in a World Cup qualifier has to mean something. We can't want the manager fired every single time something goes wrong and ignore the things that have gone right. Um, But it's starting to get hairy now. And it's starting to get to a point where he becomes hard to defend when you are once again staring down the barrel of a scary World Cup qualifying situation. None of that other stuff matters anymore. The past successes don't that were unrelated to World Cup qualifying, they just simply don't matter anymore. You've got this is a new tournament. This is a new set of games. You've got to find a way to get through this. And while they are currently, they're doing so by the hair of their chinny chin chin. And it's getting a little bit frightening. We are now currently after today's games one point above Panama, who are in the fourth with the playoff spot. That's not where we expect it to be. Um, Canada, for their part, and, and I do think that tonight we will have to look north and give we will. copious amounts of credit we will. to our, our brethren in the north for what they've done. But right now, Canada have a cushion, Andrew. A cushion of four points. It's um, it's not. Look, we have said on this podcast, get in, qualify, get to the tournament. That is the aim, particularly in the context of the horror show of the fall of 2017. But I didn't think it'd be like this. And the U.S. have had every advantage in this new format. And again, we saw another performance on the road despite what the coach thinks, which just simply was not up to par and another away performance that left you wondering what's going on here. See, this is the problem. Like when you're the U S you know, we always talk about, you know, like look through some of our, our past results in this qualifying cycle. Like I can almost, we've, we've now seen that Canada is legitimately good. It's a really good team. Even without Alfonso Davies, they're really good. So in a vacuum, I can almost live with the U.S. losing at Canada in World Cup qualifying. The problem is when you don't take care of business in the games that you should take care of business in, i.e. getting just a point against Jamaica, losing against Panama, even with that being on the road. This is the, this is the golden generation U.S. squad. Shouldn't be losing that game. 
So when you do those things, suddenly going to Canada, a difficult game, your margin for error has evaporated because you haven't done the things that you should have done in the games that were winnable or at least tieable. So like, so you lose sympathy for them. Yeah. There's also a frustration level, I think, because, and, and again, you know, there, there will be our, 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 our Mexican brethren to the South, our Mexican American listeners who will, you know, they'll roll their eyes, but bear with me here. There was a sense particularly after the summer and particularly after more so for me in a, in the two nil Colum the, the Dos Acero Columbus win in qualifying where we had slayed this, this dragon that had forever been, you know, holding, you know, control of CONCACAF. And now you see this other team emerge to the North. It's, it, it's particularly frustrating to think we can compete now and beat Mexico in a very meaningful way in qualifying and yet put in that kind of performance against Canada. It's as if we've replaced one overlord with another. Um, and, and the question then kind of comes back, is this coach getting the best out of, out of these players? And you, you would have to say no. So let's go right into that. Cause I want to talk about that. Um, and I, I worry at the words that I am about to speak. Are you are you you're concerned with what you're going to say? Well, yeah, because I know I know what the I know what everyone is feeling out there right now. I know everybody wants they want blood for this. And there's only one man that they want it from. And it's the manager. And like I just said, I can't I'm not going to defend him right now. Although what I'm about to say, some of you, you're probably going to take it that way. You know what? screw it i get it why you would here's what i want to say is essentially like blame the manager certainly well we're going to talk about decisions that were made should jossi zardis have started uh should miles robinson have started we can you know we can t- have those kinds of conversations but the only thing that i would want to say to people if you're going to really be honest with yourself is that they did do a lot of the things that people have asked them to do in this game, you know, they did, you know, all the time, JJ, we talk to people and we hear from people. We, why don't we press? We should be pressing. We should be making these teams uncomfortable higher up the pitch. We should be getting the ball back in dangerous position. They did. Mm. And they did it fairly well. People saying all the time, enough counterattack. We sh- we've got the talent. We should be possessing the ball. It should be 65, 35 playing against teams home or away. doesn't matter. That's how we should be playing. They did. It was like 64, 36 possession wise. Yeah. So they did. They did a lot of the things that fans have asked them to do. So again, we're going to talk about the manager and we're going to get into reasons why he is not absolved of blame. But all I want to say to people is, I know you love these players. I do too. But do not let them off the hook by simply blaming the manager. These players have to be blamed as well. There's no way around it. Right. We hear all the time about the talent, the Champions League talent, the players who are playing in high-level European leagues. Well, beat your man 1v1. If Weston McKinney, who had good moments tonight, he does things well, he possesses the ball well, but he's dribbling into blind alleys. Yeah. Be smarter. Make the smarter pass. Greg Berhalter can't cross the ball for Christian Pulisic on free kicks. You know, he can't take the free header that we're putting over the bar. Yeah. Like he can do certain things to put these guys in the right possession, the right positions to succeed, but these guys are to blame as well. We cannot forget that. It drives me nuts that we do. It's all on the manager. Everything's the manager because we love these players so much. They are part of the problem. They are not performing up to the level that we expect from them. We cannot forget it. Wouldn't be fair to any of this. No, I, I agree with you. And, uh, well, I say I agree with you. I agree with you to a point, and we'll get into some of the things that Greg Berhalter said directly after this game, because if we don't deal with them now in the podcast, they will be like an elephant in the room beside us, hovering over this podcast, like because they, to me, were so absurd that I, 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 they got worse from his initial interview with Jenny Chu on the sideline. They actually got worse um, they've been reported by Kyle Bond in Sporting News, and I've got them in front of me, and he must have said this to the, the print media. They're, honestly, they're wild. In my view, they're just, they're, they're, you, you, can't, you can't be serious with, with what he said, but I will get to that in a second. Let's deal with the players. Um, 
we're we're forever told about a lot of these guys now one of the, one of the things that the US soccer twitter will say to us well there's a lot of other guys that we would have in this side ahead of Zardes and ahead of you know um Ariola coming off the bench and and guys in the squad that we would have in Europe okay but let's just let's just deal with what we've got here we are forever told about the quality of McKenny Adams and Musa i mean they were not good enough today as a triumvirate they weren't Aronson and Pulisic they did not give Canada that Canadian backline nearly enough to think about. You know, Miller and Vittoria, you can say that they, they played a certain type of physical game. They also cleared their lines. Like they played it so safe. There was, no, there was no danger. If Miller couldn't see a pass, an easy pass to make, he was going long. Vittoria at one point, there's a bouncing ball that's about 30 yards from goal out in the, I think, the left or the right-hand side. And he just puts his foot through it, like straight into the stands, no messing. That said, the fact that our front three gave them so little to think about in the entire game, that is not, that is not solely Greg Berhalter's fault. However, there seems to be a serious... Uh, gap between what we saw, what the stats report, and what Greg Berhalter thinks happened on that field. And I can't avoid talking about it. I don't want to... No, this is where he does himself no favors. No, he doesn't. So the, the, the first thing was, um, he's speaking to Jenny Chu on the sideline, and I tweeted this out, and this is the first comment. Save for the result, this is exactly the type of performance we wanted to give. All right, so... The points that you made about dominating possession and, and pressing at times and, you know, trying to um, trying to be in control of the ball in an away performance. OK, I can see that point. I wouldn't say this ever as a manager after a 2-0 defeat. What no, are it's, you doing? It's tone deaf. It's tone deaf. But I can kind of see his see his point. So JJ is just going to give him a pass on that one. However, I cannot give a pass on what came after. So he kind of doubled down in the print to the print media. This is the quotes from Sporting News, Kyle Bond's piece. I think it was an entire team effort that was outstanding. We asked them to be dominant. We asked them to embrace the conditions, embrace the physicality of the, po- of the opponent. And I think we did that and more. It's hard for me to remember a more dominant performance away from home that didn't produce a result the result hurts the performance doesn't hurt i'm proud of the guys and the way they competed it was a dominant away performance without a win you can't say these things if you're not peppering that net with shots there were two shots on target tonight the final third was so toothless you can't talk about dominating the opponent people don't want to hear it it's not also it's not true yeah Possession, right. possession as a statistic, like Leicester City changed me that season. Like possession doesn't matter anymore. There's no. so many other elements of this game that matter so much more than possession. But if, you're if, be if this you toothless with it, if you shown me that quote out of context and I didn't know who was saying it I, and someone asked me, oh, who said this quote? I would have said uh, 2014, 2015, Brendan Rodgers or 2012, 2013, Brendan Rodgers. You know, that kind of death by football, dominating the ball, but never really carving anyone open. Like how many times uh, did, the, did the Canadian keeper go full stretch? He made one incredible save yes. on Weston McKinney's header. And then Aronson had that shot on target, which was weak. And he it was right at, it was right at the keeper Pulisic in what was it? The 87 took a free kick from 35 yards out, thought he could kind of fool the keeper and maybe get one over on him. He didn't. It was, it was a weak attempt. It was not, it was not hard. All right. It was not hard. So let me finish here with the, with these quotes. And this, this is the truly just completely removed from reality stuff. They couldn't handle our physicality. That's plain and simple. We were running them all over the pitch. When you look at Jules one, when you look at our pressing, they were having a very, very hard time dealing with what we were giving them. That is palpably false. And Kyle Bond goes on to say, the United States held a whopping 54, 64% possession, but with that, they only managed success on 69 out of 139 duels, including 
19 out of 43 aerial duels. Mm. And the one, the point that you brought up, they only had success in 15 out of 28 dribbles. And the US still managed to commit 15 fouls to Canada's 12. All told, Canada somehow managed to produce four shots on target and three for the US. That's anything but dominance anywhere on the field. Now, again, there, there, there were moments in this game, particularly the first goal, where that's a giveaway goal. You can't do that. That is a fundamental breakdown from goalkeeper. To just everything. Everything is wrong with that goal. And that does hand Canada an advantage. But to give Herd, Herdman his credit, this is what he set up to do, Andrew. He said, look, we don't have to win this game. We're missing our best player, one of the guys who can advance the ball down the field. Let's be compact. Let's make them create something. Let's say, hey, go and create. And we've got the players, Buchanan, Laren, David, to hurt them in transition. Mm-hmm. And that's what happened time after time after time. We were turned down blind alleys. We were turned into areas where they had men who would win tackles, often fair, sometimes foul. I mean, the referee, what did it take for him to get a yellow card out of his pocket? You know, unbelievable. So Vittoria could have been sent off quite easily, but I'm not, I'm not going to, I'm not going to go down that road. It wasn't the referee. And time after time, they looked dangerous in transition without again, always carving us open, but the plan was there. Herdman looked at our team, Andrew. This is the galling thing. He looked at our team and he said, we can give them the ball. We can play two banks of four or a bank of uh, out, out, out of possession. It was probably a five and a three or f- oftentimes a five and a four, whatever. We will just be compact. We will be organized. And we will say to them, come on, break us down. And he knew they couldn't do it. And that's the bad thing. Yeah. Uh, it was, I mean... Like we said, with the exception of a few flashes, there just was the final third, the final third. We've seen it time and time again. And and on top of that, JJ, you know, we talked about this on the last podcast as well after the El Salvador game, you know, the first half, like at a certain point, we can talk about the players, but like this is the sample size is not small. This team has now gone through this entire qualifying cycle without ever really coming out of the gate strong. Mm. Now, tonight, in, in some respects, you could almost argue that they actually did. Um, but the problem was they conceded a seventh-minute goal. They never got one of their own. And this has been the story for all of qualifying now, an inability to get the leg up on any opponent. Well, And I, against good opposition, like tonight, it will hurt you. I, I, I think it's worth just talking about that goal for a second because it was a giveaway. Everything went that could possibly have gone wrong went wrong in, in that passage of play so Turner has the ball it's our possession on a on a on a goal kick and the center backs are split maybe to do something short in the box but it's very clear that they don't think it's on Canada were aggressive so they decide to to kick it long okay but that you're not really giving this the center halves halves a chance that they should have pushed out he should Turner should have waved them both out um Robinson and Richard said, up you go and I'll kick this. There's no rush. The referee, there's no time limit. You can just get them out. Give them a chance then if we lose. Sure enough, he floats one right down the center. The header is lost. And crucially, and it didn't happen a lot in the game because he had a fine game. He led uh, both teams in recoveries and touches, Tyler Adams. He was, you know, he before the injury. But um, it, sure enough, it gets flicked around him. And then you have Robinson who goes to, he commits to get close to Laren, which is a mistake. Andrew, I swear to God, if he let Laren go and drop five yards, it would have made all the difference. But he doesn't, he gets tight and he's taken out of it. And it's a nice one too. And, and then to compound things, Turner should save that. That is too close to his hands, flicks off his fingers. You, I know your argument, there was a good bit of power on it and it is a nice finish, but I feel where the position of his hands, he's going to look at that and think, you know, being the shot stopper that he is, he should get a hand on it and flick it around the post, and he doesn't. And then after six minutes, with that crowd, you've given them, give the Canadian support credit too. They were just raucous, absolutely Mm. raucous. And when that goes in, the place is lifted, Canada are lifted. You've done the work for them. You've given them this, this opportunity, and they've taken it. 
And then everything after that was going to be a struggle because Canada had a very, very, they had something to defend and they had a very clear idea of what they were going to do. And, you know, it, it was interesting. Midway through the second half, around the 30th minute, the ball goes out over the sideline and the camera or the, the audio on the sideline picks up uh, Herdman talking to his players. And he's screaming this, Andrew. He's going, aggressive, aggressive. Let's be aggressive from the front. And that's another disappointing thing. I felt physically Canada bullied us. And, and you know, we hear a lot about, I mean, there's whole videos uh, dedicated to the, the swagger of someone like Weston McKinney and how he, you know, he doesn't care, but, you know, he'll face down any opponent and, you know, we just we didn't see enough of that outside of uh, Tyler Adam. We didn't see enough of that from from the U.S. team. And yeah, after that, it was it was it was hard to watch because we didn't exploit. Like I said, we didn't exploit their back, their center backs. You know, Zardes, who his selection came, you know, the lightning rod that Zardes is, you know, he needed to, to start quickly. The runs, I, I thought he was going to run the channels more. He didn't. He didn't really get in behind Miller or, or Vittoria or cause them any real problems. And um, yeah, that, that, that final third, Andrew, we look devoid of ideas. Well, let's, a, talk, let's talk about Zardes for a sec. Because, okay. you know, like you said, he is a lightning rod figure. And I think, you know, you can look, we, we talk all the time about this U.S. team is strong. They happen to have, relatively speaking, a weak spot at that central striker position. Um, look at that. Look out there tonight. And you see Zardes on one end and Kyle Lahren on the other. Yeah. And in some of these games, you know, like, like we said, defending is going to be intense. You're not going to be given a ton of opportunities, no matter how talented your team might be. So if you have that much of a, you know, if you're that far behind at that position, well, then like that's that's important. <laughs> that's extremely important. You're not going to get many opportunities. Canada didn't need many because they're gifted at that spot. Laren is fantastic. He's an excellent player. You know, so he only needs one or two to be able to make his mark on the game. The U.S. don't have that. You know, Zardes, you know, I do. Do I think people are too hard on him? Yeah, I do. But I also know his limitations. I, I yeah. know what kind of player he is. You know, I know coming into this game, you earmark certain games going into qualifying, especially when things are tight in the table like they are right now, and you kind of say to yourself, okay, Mexico, both home and away, whatever our best 11 is, that's that's who needs to be playing in that one. So do what you need to do in the matches around it to make sure that you get that. Canada is that right now, home and away against Canada. You make whatever alterations you have to in the match before, match after, whatever, to make sure that your best 11 are there. I can't sit here for whatever I think of Zardes, for however much I think that people are too hard on him, I'm not going to sit here with a straight face and tell you that whatever our best 11 is, he's one of it. When I saw his name on there, I wanted to see him do well because the faction of the U S fan base that just hates on him indiscriminately, no matter what he does annoys me, but like he didn't, he didn't do anything to basically shut those people up. And he's not one of the best 11 players for this team at that position. Quite frankly, I think it's Ricardo Pepe. But he's gone dry over the last you but, know couple months or so. They don't. Like, they're weak in that spot right now, and in these games where the chances are not coming fast and furious, it's going to hurt you. And we saw it tonight. It bit them tonight. I, I felt Pepe when he came into the game. All right, he had that slashed effort that bounced up where he just booted it over the bar. I by mean, the way, that was that was poor. Watch the replay of that. Yeah. I mean, now look, maybe angles are tough. Jordan Morris is alone six yards in front of goal, and he's yelling for the ball. Yes. And I know Ricardo Pepe is a striker. He's got a striker's mentality. If I'm this close to goal, I shoot. But it's a poor angle. Like, you're not scoring from there. You're just not. And he fires it out of the stadium. And Jordan Morris is standing in front of goal saying, dude, there's no but, one within 10 yards of me. Yeah, but look at his impact generally when he came in. Think of all the things. You can remember all the things he did, his link play. He, at least he was relevant in the game. Like, Zardes yeah, was not. He should have started. I'm, yeah. And, I mean, I guess, you know, we say all the time we're not at training. so. I don't know what they're seeing, but I know what I, I know what my eyes have seen over the last several months. Like uh, that has to mean something. And so I don't know. It, 
to lose this game and not necessarily have put your best 11 players out there, it gives you a, a little bit of an empty feeling. I, I do think as well, I made a note on the 75th minute, um, Anthony Robinson or Jedi, we're calling him now. Yeah. Okay. Got to the byline for, for that cross that uh, Borjan came and caught. Yeah. That must have been the first time in the 90 minutes that he got actually to the chalk of the touchline. So Canada did a really good job of, of cutting out Dest and neutralizing Dest and Robinson's abilities to get forward. Now, part of that was because Canada was compact and it was, there was no space for that. And the pitch was compact too. Yeah. Uh, but the other, part, the other part of that was that Canada get, had such a threat. Like there was, um, let, let me find, let me find the moment that kind of summed up the game. Yeah. The 32nd minute. Lovely one-two uh, between Pulisic and McKenney, and it just doesn't work out. It, the ball just goes that little bit ahead, and, and it's inside the Canadian box. And the next thing, Canada are breaking down the field, and they're, and they're in on top of, they're, you know, they're really threatening. That, that was the game plan right there. So we literally, with the way, and it's credit to Canada, with the way Canada set up, we couldn't afford to be prolificate or slow or ponderous in the attacking third, because once we coughed it up, we were in trouble. And I do think there was a speed of play issue that hasn't been addressed. When we get into those areas of attack, Andrew, we hold on to the ball too long. We don't pick the right pass or the pass is too much pace on it. You know, there's real speed of play issues for this team in the attack that's stifling us. We just, it's not quick. It's not snappy. Now, we always say it. We say it regularly on this podcast. What's the hardest thing to do in a football team? The defense to organize can be done. You can get a midfield functioning, getting an Score. attack. Go yeah, getting an attack going that is, you know, fluid and liquid and 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 really links well together is tough. And 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 you have to say that, especially when our fullbacks are neutralized, we have a we have a real problem when those guys are out of the game. So so what is that? I'll defer to you. Is that chemistry? Is that players who maybe aren't as good as we think they are up front? Is it the way the manager is setting them up? I'm genuinely asking. Um, I, I think I think it's the chemistry angle is is I I would I, I think that's part of it. I also think as well, like the positions that our creative players take up, like like you know, like I said, Pulisic drop like in certainly against El Salvador was like dropping deep into these weird, weird areas that he was kind of on top of our midfielders, and when he get turned, he wasn't in an advantageous position. It's moving the ball quickly as well. We don't do it. We just don't move the ball quick enough and we allow defenses to settle in. Um, it's also uh, players not as good as we think they are, but more so, what would you have given for like a Gio Reyna in there today? I, this I have another name that I'm going to give you. I don't want to say it yet. Well, I'm going to hold it. Okay. I'm going to hold I, it. I would have loved to have it, had Gio Reyna in there. Somebody who could... You know, pick locks, play passes. But yes, you're right. Certainly, that would have helped. Yeah, that. that so, so it's all those things, and um, and yeah, when we can't get our 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 fullbacks around the outside, cutting balls back, um, we do struggle. Mm -hmm. uh, and look, it's it's an ad, it's it's advantageous to us to have these really really good attacking wingers, fullbacks, whatever you want to call them. But um, but today we we could not get them really into the game in the way that we needed to. And, 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 you know, Bearhalter has to acknowledge that. Yeah. Uh, I'll tell you what, let's take a break. Come back on the other side. I've got some of my categories here, JJ, that we oh, went through Lord. last time. Winners, losers, uh, a look ahead, uh, how we're feeling now compared to how we felt prior to the game, which I think our answers might be different than what they were the other night. So we'll go through some of those things. Uh, so we still got a lot to do coming up after the break. Don't go anywhere. Back now on Caught Offside. Quite a weather event, JJ, that we had. Unbelievable that uh, you're trying to deflect to the weather, but it was quite a weather event. I'm curious, are you a man of snowblower? Are you a shovel, shovel. guy? I'm a shovel man. Shovel man, yeah. Mm -hmm. Get a good workout in? Uh, yeah, although we don't have like a sidewalk necessarily that we have to shovel, which helps. And we kind of park our cars advantageously at like the bottom like by the edge of the driveway where the driveway kind of meets the road 
Ah. So like rather than having to do the whole driveway, you kind of just like have your cars right there. So yeah. Why like that's when it comes to these things. I I love the way that the snow, a heavy snow event can really, you know, just calm the city. We Mm -hmm. we were in the meadow in Prospect Park today and it was so silent. I could have been back in Ireland. Everything was quiet. It was, it was beautiful. It was cold. There was the, the snow is compacted and powdery in there. So it's everywhere was white. It was wonderful. And when are we going to stop talking about the weather? Right now, the winners. Before you get to that, can we talk about uh, Borjan's uh, sweatpants? (laughs) Yeah, sure. Because um, he made such a good save from McKenney. Like one of our listeners said, it almost looked as if the ball was behind him and he reached behind and pulled. and, And the way he pulled it across the goal that it didn't either go into the net or go into a danger area was brilliant, too. He's like... I've seen him now oh, see, four times this qualification campaign and he's unorthodox. He is, he's a bit of a comedy keeper and not that he's a clown or anything, but he reminds me of Thomas Ravelli. He was a former Sweden goalkeeper who was like, he had these manic eyes. He would make a save and he would be really excited about it. He was never afraid to berate his defenders. He did this basketball trick where he, you know, the way the goalkeepers hurl the ball out with one arm. Well, what he would do is he'd pretend to fake hurl it and he would transfer it to the left and bring it around his back. Uh, you know, Seems like, unnecessary, but I bet it looked cool. Oh, it looked very, very cool. And there's yeah. a bit of Ravelli about, about Borjan. But um, I, I tweeted that he reminded me of a man who quickly pulled on a pair of pants to run downstairs and bring the trash cans out. You know, that's, that's the kind of look I got from him. Um, like slightly hungover. Oh no, it's trash day. And he had to run out. You know, he, he gave me that, that, that view, which is all very disrespectful considering he's a, a top-class professional. Yeah. Red star Belgrade keeper. Yep. Uh, winners tonight, JJ. So you referenced before the break about, you know, you said Gio Reyna couldn't, boy, couldn't we have used him tonight? And yes, I would agree with that. And there was another player that I was thinking of my oh. big winner tonight is a guy who did not play. Oh, he, and it's I, Tim Weah. Well, look, I think you're right. Uh, it was really unfortunate that Tim Way couldn't be involved. I think Tim Way has been very, very good and has really established himself as a starter in my mind over the last three or four games, particularly World Cup qualifiers. And so, yeah, I, I 100% agree with you. He could have been missed. But it was really notable on Twitter. There's an old kind of sporting adage. I say it's old. I've just made it up. But it's that the the best player in any game is the guy who wasn't available. Okay, fair enough. However, this was a game where it just felt like it was going to take something individual. Yeah, like, yeah. And so I say Wea because let's just like take a walk with me now, JJ. Grab my hand. Let's go out the door and let's walk down memory right lane. All right. And let's just look at all of the goals that this team has scored recently. Last game against El Salvador, he makes the run. He gets the shot off. Goalkeeper makes a great save, but it sets up everything that leads to the goal. Before that, Jamaica, Wea scored the only goal for the U.S. Before that, Mexico, Wea plays in the ball for Pulisic's header. And the second goal for McKinney didn't get an assist, but Wea played in the initial ball to McKinney that started the move. Before that, against Costa Rica, Wea forces the own goal. I really thought it was a goal for him in real time. I still watch it, and I wonder how is it not his goal, but whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, so... That's a that's a large sample size. And we always talk about Pulisic, McKinney, Adams, you know, Reyna not being there. His name is not mentioned with those names. It should be. From now on, it will be. On, okay. on this podcast by this person, it will be. Because he, like I talked about last time with Anthony Robinson, certain guys over the course of this qualifying campaign have made themselves indispensable. And the proof is in the pudding. Like, I just listed off all of our recent goals. He's a, He's a part of all of them. And then he's not there tonight, and the U.S. can't do anything. So I, I, I think you're right. And you've identified a player who's got that that bit of pizzazz that can take a guy on and 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 genuinely get a shot off. And that that makes such a big difference. You're right. By the way, do you know whose stock has risen enormously today? John uh, Brooks. Yeah, well, we'll get I have losers to mention later. Yeah. OK, well, let's let's do winners then. So um I mean, my winners are mostly Canadian. Well, I was going to say for my other winner, I was just going to say, can we just talk about Canada for a minute here? Yeah. Because like they, they were the biggest winner in every sense. This almost, 
I mean, look, you could go back and say their win against Mexico was kind of like an official coronation that Canada is not just some cute story like that. They've arrived. Um, but now they did it to us. And so like now we're experiencing it firsthand for the first time. This was Canada's first win over the U.S. in World Cup qualifying since 1980. Without their best player, they did that. Uh, and now they are all but assured of a trip to Qatar. I mean, it would have to take some kind of epic meltdown for them to not be playing later this year at the World Cup. It's incredible. This is Canada's second win over the U.S. in the last 37 years in all competitions. Um, they actually beat the U.S. relatively recently. Uh, their other one in 2019 in the CONCACAF Nations League. Yeah, that's right. You know, Davies is not there. And it is, they are still, they still looked like the better team. Laren is class. Yep. Jonathan David was a problem throughout the course of this game. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and, Te- and Tejan Buchanan was quiet for his, mm-hmm. but I thought physically he did a lot of dog work. He did a lot of hard, hard yards and a, a lot of physical um, stuff. By the way, they are, you know, I wouldn't go as far as saying they're a team of S houses. But they certainly aren't afraid to, uh, you know, to do certain things, to time waste, to get involved in like tough they tackles. They play with an, with an edge. They have an edge. Like they're not soft. They are no. in no way soft. Absolutely not. Um, no, I I, I kind of like, I respect the way they play. I enjoy yeah. this Canadian team. I just do. Not I, when they're I, playing I, against the U.S. And, and doing it. It's, it's so terrible that, uh, you know, I was rooting against them in this game. Like I felt... You know, this is a team I like. I want them to do well, but today was just. Yeah. And look, I mean, they might have like if you were trying to identify a weakness, you know, the scouting report on them is that in central defense, like they can be gotten to. They can. And we never did. But the U.S. But not today. (laughs) Certainly not in this game. And look, people can talk about the field, but like it met. I, I know before the before the match there was controversy because what was it Bearhalter somebody said that it was 68 yards width wise, which it wasn't. Apparently it was 68 meters, which is 74 yards. It met all like, FIFA World Cup qualifying standards. There's no controversy there, yeah. but it was tight. It was a tighter pitch, but it meets the standard. Well, I might sit here and tell you that's kind of smart. Like they didn't break. Like it's you do the things in World Cup qualifying that play to your advantage. This so is what this is what Herdman. This is what Herdman said prior to the game. Most Canadians have grown up on the plastic pitch in cold conditions. These guys expect that now. It's part of their DNA. It's part of the journey. I feel like the Hamilton Stadium is going to feel tight and compact. We played England there when I was with the women's team, and we beat them one nil. And it was a really good atmosphere, a good energy, and it felt tight. I want the US to feel that. Even with twelve thousand there, I'm sure they're going to make it sound like there are thirty thousand in there. Mission and accomplished. They did. Mission accomplished. This, um, like, U.S. and Mexico as a rivalry has been built over decades, really. Yeah. You know, and like we've always talked about, what makes that such a great rivalry is that there's inferiority complexes on both sides. So they both have a chip on their shoulder about the other side. Um, U.S. and Canada has not been a rivalry. It's no. never been a rivalry. But it's happening quickly. Like, you can see... You know, young talent on both teams, um, competitive games, intense atmospheres, a little bit of friction here and there, physical play like this can this can happen quickly. This can become like a a nice, like you said before, kind of a three headed. What did you call it? A a triumvirate or triopoly or whatever. Yeah, Uh, this can become like a fun three headed monster. And then, you know, Costa Rica has their moments. Jamaica has their moments. Panama, you you can slot those in. But like. CONCACAF can it could get interesting quickly if you add in another nation that can consistently compete uh, with U.S. and Mexico. And right now, Canada are competing above the U.S. and Mexico. I just think it's it's just typical of you for U.S. soccer to have this moment, these young influx of players playing in Europe. And uh oh, here's Canada doing the exact same thing. Just just typical. Why can't we have it on our own for a little bit? <laughs> Give us a uh, decade to be us. Well, it's look, not happening. What I would like to say to you saying that is it can only like I would like to think that it can only help the US in their development by having another legitimately good team to be competing against in important competitions. So like if they get in 
to the to World Cup qualify to the World Cup, which I do still think they are going to, um, just a little bit more nervously than what we had thought before. But you know, these are more games against good teams. I would I got to think that that can only help rather than just facing pushovers. Uh, do you have any other winners, JJ? Because I really don't. Um, no, I mean we've mentioned we mentioned how good the goalkeeper was. I think uh, I think Herdman is a winner. Generally, I think his ability to just to find the formula that worked. He, he knew exactly what was going to work that night against Mexico. Today, he was like, we can be aggressive. We can do all these things, but we're also going to be conservative. We're not going to open ourselves up and be easy for the U.S. to get at. And he seemed to have learned um, a lot about the U.S. and what we could do and can't do. And he tweaked his, his, his team uh, to meet that. And I thought it was a, an excellent piece of coaching from him today. Um, but that's, that's me for the winners. Yeah. We, we might as well do the, the other side losers. Yeah. With winners come losers, JJ. Uh, I will start. Um, I hate to say this, but this was, you know, cause I've been saying, I thought he should start. Miles Robinson is one of my first names on the team sheet right now. I Oof. think he's become the U S best defender. He was bad tonight, flat out bad. Uh, this was the first time I've really seen him playing for the u.s and not and essentially being a detriment um, can i ask you something yeah miles robinson mm-hmm. he's one of these players who is you know not in season he's not playing much competitive he's not playing any competitive ball and then for now zimmerman had a knock so for him to be thrust into this mix you know is rust is rust an excuse tonight i mean if you were going if you were going man for man between the two teams tonight i believe canada started more mls players than the us did yeah uh, they didn't look no they didn't look rusty look that's one of those things where it's kind of like what what would you say it is confirmation bias like yeah, whatever sure. you you know, if Miles Robinson played well, then, well, he's fresh, you know, and, you know, if like somebody who's in season has a bad game, it's those are tired legs. They've been playing how many games a week, making up Matt. Like, yeah, so you're I, don't, right. I don't like using that. No, I, I, I just it, thought I'd ask. No, it's a legitimate question, but I just I tend to shy away from, from you're that right. just because you can kind of formulate it however you want it to be, depending on how things go. And but, it's unprovable. Yeah, so, right. Yeah. But he was he was poor. Both goals. I mean, even the goal at the end. Oh, I mean, at that de- point, it was kind of desperation time. And God, but- the goal at the end, Andrew, though. I mean, it's just a big lumped ball into the sky. And it's it's controlled very well by... Who was it that controlled it? I can't remember. Um, and... What, the goal scorer? Sam uh, Adukegbe? Was, yeah, it was. It was Adukegbe that got it initially. It was. Excuse me. Yeah. I, I, I'm, and he just runs like it's... Like it's a five aside. I think one of the guys on CBS called it like it was, uh, you know, a high school soccer game or middle school soccer. He just runs right through this massive gap. Mm-hmm. And Anthony Robinson is pumping the legs to get back across. But I also don't think Turner did great on that one. I think he has to come out a bit further and, and challenge him. But yeah. he was kind of statuesque. Yeah. And we can go to him next. Um, I mean, unless there was more on Robinson. I know you said that John Brooks <laughs> Also, in, in the Tim Weah vein, came off maybe looking improved yeah. tonight. But again, I don't, maybe we shouldn't go down that road because that's, look, there will be people who say, you know, this guy, Champions League center back, why is he not here? Why is he not involved? Veteran presence. Well, I, I we kind of tried to lay out why we think he's not involved. I'm not going to say those things. I, I was calling for Robinson to start. I'm yeah, not going to so, be a hypocrite tonight. Okay. Um, Fair. And, and we thought he'd had a great summer too, as well. Yeah. So. Um, but yeah, if you want to go to Matt Turner, I mean, he was, this was not a good day for him. No, uh, his, his ball that led to the first goal. I know, you know, you see like it fell way short of Zardes. So Zardes is trying to get back to win that header. He's never got a, he's never going to get there. It's he's got no shot at that. Um, so like, look, Matt Turner for whatever problems he has with his leg. Uh, I do believe that he can cross the center line. So later, yeah. like at, at different it was points, windy, it was, extreme. that's, that's what I'm going to say. That ball got, it got caught up in the wind. 
people can say that I'm making excuses for him. You saw the corner flags. They were blowing hard against that goal. So like, again, whatever criticism you have of Turner, like, okay, most of them are fair, but I believe he can kick a ball further than 50 yards. Um, So I I think if you, if you're an Arsenal fan and you're asking us what we think his weak points are, it's probably his feet as we saw in the second half. Yeah. Um, It was a, Again, trying to play out from the back. Ball gets ballooned out to the sideline. It's turned over, comes back in, and a shot he should have smothered, Andrew, and kept and held on to. Then he's then forced to make a double save. Right. His best moment of the night was really born out of a bad moment. Yeah, exactly. It, it just it wasn't commanding from him. Um, also, I, I want to address something, and I really shouldn't. I shouldn't be drawn into this, though. But I will say this to some supporters. You don't get to, after the fact, say, well, well, if we make a statement, which we did, that we after the summer, we thought Turner was number one. There was nothing wrong with that statement. There was a good basis to say he's had an excellent, some of the saves, particularly against Qatar that he made, were, were excellent. He had a brilliant, brilliant summer. And, and we said on the podcast he was our number one at that point. So he has a bad game tonight. And someone emails us right in the middle of the game. If you think he should be number one, you don't know ball. Like there's one thing about soccer fans is they have really latched on to the disgusting bleh, social media trend of that. Well, that aged well. Yeah. You know, the passage of time and events are two things that a lot of U.S. soccer fans need to wrap their heads around. Somebody can have a really good spell of games and cement themselves as number one and have a bad game then. There is no indicator from that one is coming is, is going to be born out of the other. Like, and that they've got this inside knowledge. You don't know ball. Hey, maybe Stefan is a better goalkeeper than him. Maybe he is. I'm not convinced Stefan is that good either, to be honest with you. But nothing hap- that happened today negates that, that Turner had a good summer and was legitimately number two, as he is. He's not even number one. He's in covering for Stefan. I've been clear how I feel. I think they're both good. I think Turner just didn't have a good game. And that can happen. I I think they're both. I think they're both flawed, but I do think, I think, I do think Turner is a good shot stopper though. I think his, his weakness is, um, is with his feet. Yeah, I would. Yeah, I would, I would agree with that. Um, JJ, I also, I kind of mentioned this earlier, but I feel kind of a little bit bad saying this, but I, I included Weston McKinney. Um, just because, like I said, he, there are things that he does well. Like you can clearly see, like he's he's an ultra talented player. The way you know he he, he holds possession well, he's a pretty good passer. Um, you know he's he's good in the air generally. I mean, he nearly scored. He had the U.S.'s best chance tonight on his on that header that was kept out. Um, but boy, there's just some times where I'm watching him where you can see you can see a pass that should be made. Like you can, yeah. And then he just tries to kind of do it alone and just like dribble through three guys. Like, Oh, I, the sense I get, this is just me. Like, I don't know what he's saying. He's, he's probably trying to do it because he believes like that it's, it's in the best interest. It's, this is the best way to get to goal or whatever. But like, sometimes I'm watching it and the sense I get is like, Oh, I play at Juve. I'm in the champions league. Like I can do this. Like I can go through these three jabronis on Canada. And like, no, you can't, no, you can't. And like, there's just sometimes a little bit too much, I don't know, like individualism. And it's not just him. You see it on other guys as well. And that's why, you know, I brought up before is chemistry an issue, um, you know, because sometimes it feels it doesn't always feel like that's a team out there. It sometimes feels like it's a bunch of individuals kind of playing their own game. That was that was certainly how it felt tonight. And he fair or not, there were other guys that I could mention here. But for me, for whatever reason, he just seemed to be a little bit emblematic of that. Yeah. I think uh, he's not really a loser per se, but the fact that uh, Ferreira, you know, starts, you know, is fit to start in the last game and doesn't even feature in this one, doesn't come off the bench, I thought was was curious. Um, another another frustrating day for Christian Pulisic as well. Yeah. Now, to me, at least he felt more involved, certainly more involved than against El Salvador. I don't know. That was just a, a really bad night, but... He saw more of the ball, but yeah, frustration. What was it? 20th minute. Aronson played a good ball to him in the box. First touch, 
like he's in a good position to to cut in and maybe get a shot across goal. And his first touch is just really heavy. And it's, it's an easy clearance for Canada. Some of that may be Pulisic's form. Some of that might be playing on that turf surface. Yeah. And, you know. By the way, uh, this turf surface is miles, miles, miles better than Edmonton. Like yeah, the, yeah. The U.S. have got a... You can't compare what Mexico had to play on. This is, this is a surface that would be much more familiar to the 22 players that played on uh, and, and you know i don't like the bounce on a turf surface and there's nothing worse than a windy cold day on turf that thing is just bouncing all over the place this has been turf chat <laughs> you got it in feel I better to, i have to do it yeah it feels no good. but it, i will say that this is it does matter in these moments like playing on artificial turf like you, you're well within your rights to talk about that as having an effect on the game it, like it, it definitely does and and just for people who who um oh this sounds so smug for people who don't play um guys who play at any level who are listening to guys and girls who who play uh, soccer will know <laughs> on turf that ball first of all the bounce is completely unnatural so when it's coming towards you it bounces at a height where you have to wait for it to come down or try and put your foot up to to settle it so that slows you down and you're in possession, and you're more likely to get tackled, which was evidence tonight. Canada were right there. The minute the ball hopped in front of a U.S. player, Canada were in there getting involved. If your first touch is bad, it runs away from you pretty quickly, meaning you are drawn into tackles, challenges, stretches, lunging for the ball. And if you are taking on a player, your control has to be tight because if it goes too far ahead, it'll run out over the line. That is turf, guys. It is an imperfect solution to grass issues and yeah. in, in frigid places um, in frigid places and in places like uh, New York City where the council do not want to spend large sums of money maintaining grass surfaces it is the only option mm-hmm. um, I don't have much more on winners and losers I don't know if there was anybody else that you wanted to throw in there um, I can give you a couple more winners that are completely unrelated to all of this but that do bear mentioning on a US emergency podcast uh, I will I will defer to you because I, I think at this point I would just be I would be kicking the dog too much by if I kept going on with losers. So you, you, I'll let you do that. The uh, JJ, the National Soccer Hall of Fame announced their 2022 class today. I don't know uh-huh. if you happen to see six members will be going in. Clint Dempsey, for my money, top two, three. top three greatest American player of all time. Maybe be- maybe the greatest. He's in the conversation, certainly. So, yeah, Clint Dempsey going in. Props to him. That's awesome. I smiled I, thought, when I, I saw that. I thought he was very good on on uh, on CBS's coverage tonight. Oh, I have one more loser. Okay, well, let me finish the Hall of Fame. Sorry. Uh, Dempsey, Shannon Box, Hope Solo. This is a, a monster class. Uh, Marco Echeverri, Linda Hamilton, and Essie uh, Baharmast. So that's nice. your class. But good yeah, stuff. Clint. Um, our listeners would be very upset if I didn't mention this apart from the wind, the weather, the frigid conditions there's another thing that um, happens in Canada as well it's called pixelation and buffering apparently that's a a real real problem because it was certainly evidence tonight I I will just say this because I don't like going after other broadcast corporations because as we know in this business I may have to work for them someday but It is not good enough to put your national team behind a paywall and have very, very, it, it was frustrating. My, my, my feed cut out three or four times. Um, it quickly came back, and when it came back, it was pixelated. And often in the game, it would go from high def to pixelated and back again. And I thought it was my internet. No, lots of our listeners got in touch. Hmm. That's a bad job. This team matters to people in other countries. The national team and their exploits is protected. It cannot be put behind a paywall because it is seen of national importance and that the public should always be able to to see their team play. Um, In this country, that's not the case. Our away games are behind a paywall. They've got to do better. Simple as that. Bad job from Paramount. I chose to hone my Spanish. I was with Telemundo. Good. Good coverage, I'm sure. Uh, yes. Uh, when you don't understand the words, it's hard to critique it, but I can say there wasn't any pixelation. 
So that, well, you're, they're already winning. Yeah. <laughs> I picked up. I know some words here. I took Spanish for years in in high school. For um, years. So I I started it in middle school at eighth grade. Right. Took it freshman through senior year of high school. There was a period in my life where I my problem with Spanish is always that like I just I mean it's cliche to say it, but I just like I couldn't keep up with the speed with which they speak sometimes. Okay. And so that was like that sometimes I just like couldn't process it quick enough. Like there was a time in my life where I could I could speak it, but I would speak it at like a slower pace. I could understand it, but like that's it's all that was I mean that was 20 years ago. God. Okay. Um, so yeah, I can still get words here and there, but it's overall, it's more listening for the crowd noise essentially and whistles. Um, I guess JJ, if we're going to throw in one, one other loser, I mean, we kind of danced around this earlier, but I do want to at least appease the people who need to hear this. Um, we do have to throw Greg Berhalter's name in there. He's overseeing this. And you talked earlier about, okay, like I can stay, I can sit here. I think credibly, blaming players for not performing up to the level that they're supposed to be. But you're right also, and everyone else is right, saying, well, he maybe needs to do more to get the right formula, to put them in the right position. Like I said, we can only struggle in so many first halves before you have to like look beyond just the guys on the field and say, okay, well, this this is coming from somewhere. This is happening too often with too many different lineups. Like, So I don't know. If they if, if things go badly the, on, on Wednesday against Honduras, I don't know what I don't know what the future has for him. That better be three points. It's got to be three points. Yeah. Um, also, I suppose other losers are the potential injuries. Chris Richards and Tyler Adams uh, standing out. Yeah. I mean, uh, no injury I, is good, but boy, Adams is so important to this team. I, when you see him clutching his hamstring like that, it was. Yeah. It, it, it just wasn't good. And um, yeah, just kind of capped off a pretty miserable day to be honest with you and by the way there will be people out there that will tell you we're going to be fine we're going to be okay we're going to qualify we probably will but it's okay right now to be upset it's okay to be annoyed with that performance and it's okay to kind of parse through the rubble and try and find out what went wrong that you're absolutely fine doing that yeah I, I think so too i was thinking about that um, and we'll go through how the rest of qualifying looks from a, a point standpoint, from a fixture standpoint. Um, but like what you're saying there, it, it is even if you do believe still that they're going to qualify, it is fair to be disappointed because I just I just think we all thought that this team was a little bit different. Um, maybe we got sucked in to the fact that these guys are playing at prominent clubs in Europe. Maybe we need to be more understanding of the fact that they're all pretty young and inexperienced, especially in this Um but like I looked at this team, yeah, and I I just thought that like they were of a level where, okay, like good teams, I would say JJ win games they're supposed to win. Really good teams get at least a point in the games that are difficult. Great teams win the games that are difficult. Right. At Canada is one of those. This team could not get a point there. We'll see what happens at Mexico. Um, but as you look at the table now, I guess we'll close on this. Uh, so the U.S. Canada is currently atop the table. Ten matches played, twenty-two points. They're they're in great shape. Um, by virtue of of Mexico tying nil-nil earlier today, uh, they remain tied with the U.S. on points. The U.S. are slightly ahead on goal differential by one goal, um, tied with eighteen points apiece. And then Panama right now, who have been playing well lately, uh, a point back, just one point back in that fourth place playoff spot um and then there's a there's a nice there's a cushion down to costa rica which is that's obviously the frightening place that right now the cushion is enough jj where i would say i'm i'm not worried about that right now it's all about really avoiding that fourth place playoff spot you just don't want to have to deal with that the stress of that would be a little too much to bear i think yeah. so so I, I looked ahead with what's remaining um between the u.s mexico and panama u.s have honduras at home then at mexico home against Panama, and then they close at Costa Rica, which I pray is not a vitally important game. So if I'm looking at those four, I'm going to be slightly, I would say if I'm going to be slightly pessimistic, I'll give us seven points from those four. Beat Honduras, I'll say lose to Mexico, uh, I'll say beat Panama, and then I'll give us one point. I'll give a draw for Costa Rica. So seven oh. points. That'll get us to 25. 
Okay, so remember that number. Then Mexico have home against Panama, home against the U.S., at Honduras, home against El Salvador. That's a pretty, all things considered, I'd say that's a pretty favorable stretch for Mexico. Three of those four at home. The only road one is against Honduras, who have been the worst team by far so far in qualifying. So I'll give Mexico 10 points out of that. So the okay. leapfrog the U.S., that gets them to 28. The other one to worry about is Panama. At Mexico, home against Honduras, at the U.S., home against Canada. That's tough. I'll give them, if I was going to be slightly negative for the U.S., I'll be slightly positive for Panama, and I'll somehow find a way to get them to seven points out of those. So if that happens, which I think is favorable to Panama, giving them seven, they would still be one one point shy of the U.S. Okay. So... And again, that's with me being, like I said, slightly negative for the U.S. and maybe a little more than slightly positive for Panama. So if we're going to end on anything, just we'll end on the note of doesn't matter if you're first, second or third. It's all about getting in. And if you look at the way these permutations line up, I still think it plays out in the U.S.'s favor to get in. Doesn't mean that it's not going to be nerve wracking. Um, You know, these games that like should be a given home against Honduras, like you thought maybe like, okay, we could relax. You can't relax now. None of these, there are no gimmies anymore. You got to take all these seriously and we'll find out how well this group of players reacts to pressure because now they're really going to be dealing with it. Grant Wall tweeting, safe to say Honduras will not be coming to Minnesota on a high note. The Catrachos lost 2-0 at home to El Salvador tonight and have yet to win a game in 10 matches of the octagonal. Well, remember they had the U.S. a little bit, uh, in a state of, of nervousness the first time around. Oh so yeah. Down one nil and then storm back with, with four in the second half. But that first half that was until tonight. I mean, this feels a little bit like a low point, but I think that that first half against Honduras was maybe even lower than this. Um, it was, but the fact that the, the, the goals were scored second half, yeah. obviously swung, swung our view of that. But I agree with you. There was, there was wailing, gnashing of teeth, garment rending, all sorts of things uh, in that first half against Honduras. Yeah. So I guess we leave it like that then, friend. Yeah, I know a lot of other things happened, JJ, that on a different night I would love to get to, but this is kind of a, a this was truly a, a US specific bonus podcast. We'll have another one of these uh, Wednesday following the Honduras match, but on that podcast, we'll get to all the other things that don't have to necessarily do with just the US that we didn't get to tonight. Tonight was very much a U.S.-centered thing. Yeah. Um, let me close out by saying I want to say I found something from Philadelphia that I truly love. Hmm. I went to see The War on Drugs on Saturday night, the band yeah. at, um, at MSG. And it was amazing, Andrew. It was absolutely amazing. Really? It, this is a band I want to make a, a, a mixtape for you get you into them because i don't think i'm aware of them they're they're just excellent they are when they released that that breakthrough album i was like you know with ocean in between the waves and 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 songs like that i was the sound was just so unique but yet reminded me of like uh tom petty and don henley and a bit of springsteen a little bit of dylan all kind of and a kind of an 80s sensibility all mashed together it's this is the, I, I thought when I heard it, this, they won't be able to repeat this trick, but the new album is brilliant. The stadium, I thought they might be wishy-washy live. No, they absolutely tore the roof off. They're amazing. And they are, there's so many disparate cultures that make up America. There's so many different sounds. This sound just feels like America to me. Wow. Yeah. That good. They blew my mind. I, I I enjoyed it so much. And you know, I I like I listen to lots of different stuff. I, I've been on here before talking about Juice World. Well, they're not like that, but um they uh they're amazing. They they everyone enjoyed it so much. It was it wasn't a great night, obviously, with the with the weather event, but um for those of us that wrapped up and went in, it was it was great. It was truly, truly great. Well, that sounds good. One I'm of my top five. It. I'm gonna, games. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go deep, and I'm, I'm gonna start listening to a lot more of their stuff. But what I've heard, I, I've always enjoyed them. Yeah, I have not, I have not gone as deep as you have. The best thing to come out of Philadelphia since the road out of Philadelphia. Why? That's why did I do that? Yeah, that's, what's that your problem? Nasty. Just trying to pick at you. Ah, uh, uh, All right. Well, we'll, we'll reconvene. 
Boy, I hope the tenor of Wednesday night is different. It's got to be. We got to lift the energy, man. Yeah. It's got to be. No, I thought we had energy tonight. Well, we did. Some of it was righteous indignation, which is an energy. Yeah, it certainly is. All right. Hey, get some rest. All right. Save up your energy. We'll, we'll watch again Wednesday. We'll talk about it. We're all going to get through this together. All of us. We're all in this together, everybody. Okay. We'll get but, through it. It's going to be all right. Yeah. And also, right. if, you're, if you're having a bad day at work and your boss is annoyed with you, Greg has given you the template. Ignore all your failings and just say, I think that effort was outstanding. I'm going to start doing that from now on. When you're mad with me saying like, what are you doing? I'm going to say, I I thought that was outstanding. Yeah. You could be like 30 minutes late. Yep. You know, whatever, like a beer in your hand. Just, just drop the line. (laughs) This effort's outstanding. What are you talking about? Hey, I thought this effort was outstanding and I'm proud of you. All right. Don't forget. I think we dominated all. It was a dominant performance. Maybe we didn't score the goals, but I thought it was a dominant podcast. Sure was. Hey, to you, I say. Check you later, fun boy. I'll see you. Take care, brother. You've been listening to the Caught Offside Soccer Podcast. 